Welcome everyone. I'm Jeffrey Goodman, Director of Marketing and Development for the YMCA of Northwest Louisiana. And we're here at 318 Latino Studios for Shreveport Bossier, my city, my community, my home. And our guest today is super fascinating. It's um, Miss Carolyn Hammond. So thanks for being here, Carolyn. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. All right, Carolyn. So, um, and if I get anything wrong, just correct me. But sure. In February of 2022, I believe, after more than 12 years of service, you became the president and chief executive officer of Volunteers of America, North Louisiana, or VOA, as many people know it. Correct. VOA is one of the most important nonprofits in the Shreveport-Bossier community, offering more than 40 different programs for our residents. Mm -hmm. At VOA, you serve four distinct populations, children and families, veterans, individuals with disabilities, and seniors. Correct. VOA has been described as a church without walls, and I can't imagine our community without the impactful work you do. We could talk for hours and just scratch the surface on all you do at VOA, but what I'd like to do today is at least create more awareness of how you're serving our children and families, our veterans, our individuals with disabilities, and our seniors. Let's start with our veterans today, if we could. Can you talk about some of the current programming VOA offers to provide better service to our veterans? Sure. Well, thank you, first of all, for having me on to be able to talk about what we do at Volunteers of America. But we're very proud of our, our veteran service. So to really talk about the first and just jump in population with our veteran services. So we have a really close relationship with our local VA, with Overton Brooks. And what we do is we work with homeless veterans. So individuals who have, for whatever reason, have found themselves in need of a home and shelter, we work with them to provide them housing. And so we have three different services under that veteran services. So I'll start with our SSVF, which is also known as Supportive Services for Veteran Families. And what that program does is that we work with individuals who are homeless or in fear or in close danger of losing their home. So we help people that maybe they are late on rent for they lost a job, uh, they got behind on their rent. So we're able to help them stay in their homes. And so that's the ideal scenario. We want to help people stay in their home and not become homeless in the first place. So that's our, on one of the what I think is probably one of our best programs to keep people in their home and not disrupt their lives. This, but if we're not able and they're already homeless, then we would help them find a place to live pay their rent, get them started, and help provide services for a short-term. It's a short-term program to hopefully get back on their feet and stay in their home. So that's that's one program. We also have what we call the Transitional Living Program. And that program, probably most people, a lot of people are, are rather familiar. We've been doing that program for probably about 12, 13 years now. And we have a shelter where we can house up to 46 veterans that are homeless and they're referred to us and we put them in housing and they can stay with us for up to 18 months. Um, and, and we have some flexibility with that. Um, but what we do is we work with them to find employment or go back to school um, if they have a, um, a mental health issue or a substance abuse issue we work to provide the counseling and the you know supportive services for them to be successful so when they do leave they've got you know they've got a they've worked on some of the things that are going on in their lives to hopefully help 
keep them safe and on the street and on the streets in a house and keep them in a house and, and really, um, continuing to find success in their day-to-day lives. Um, one of the things about that program is we help people save money while they're with us. So when they're going out and they're, they have money to pay a down payment for an apartment and turn on their utility bills, maybe while they're with us, we, you know, we work with them to budget and to pay old utility bills. So really just working, providing those supportive services to help them be successful. And then the final program that we really work with is our veteran services. It's called Safe Haven, and it's considered a low barrier shelter. A lot of people don't know what that means, but basically there's not a lot of rules um, to come to the, the, so you can be actively using. Um, You can't use in, in the facility, but maybe you aren't quite ready Um, and you need to really, but you need a place to sleep. So what we do is we have individuals come in and enter enter in our low barrier shelter. Um, And you know why they're there with us? Our goal is to build trust with them and help them see that they can, if, if it's a substance abuse, they can maybe enter into treatment. And then ideally we want people to move from safe haven to the transitional living program for a more intense structure. So, so those are our three services for, for veterans. Um, again, we're really proud of what we do with veteran services. You know, what better way to serve the men and women who have served us um, and, and their families. You know, we really want to be those support system to not just the men and women, but the children that they have with them as well. Yeah, it's tremendous work you're doing and and only the beginning of uh, all that (laughs) you're doing. So, all right, wonderful. Well, in a similar manner, can can you provide some information about the programs VOA offers to serve those in our community with disabilities? Sure. So... Probably that is what we have been doing the longest through Volunteers of America. And and one thing I do want to share, so Volunteers of America is a national organization. Um, We're in, um, I think, 30 different affiliates across the country. Um, We are one of three in Louisiana, which is very unique, by the way. But So we serve all of North Louisiana down to Alexandria, but from the Texas state line to the Mississippi state line. So all of North Louisiana, but of course, the primary services are here in the Shreveport-Bossier area. Um, And so we've been doing disability services for a very, very long time. So basically our disability services, um, we do mental health. Um, We work with individuals with severe mental illness, and we've been doing that really since probably for the past 30 plus years, we've been working with individuals with mental illness. So a lot of people live with us. And so they maybe have a severe mental illness. It could be schizophrenia. It could be some other, um, you know, other really severe mental illness that they need the supportive services and they maybe just need they can't necessarily be by themselves. And so we provide housing. A lot of people are familiar with the McAdoo Hotel downtown. We have renovated that facility and it's housing for individuals with mental illness. And so we're able to provide the supportive services that they need. So the case management, um, maybe it's taking individuals grocery shopping and helping making good food choices. It could be a a variety of different um, services that we offer the individuals living with us. In addition to that, we have what's called a supervised independent living program commonly known as SIL and what we have we have direct support professionals that go into an individual's home and provide the supports they need that could be something as simple as light housekeeping and meal prep to something more significant and maybe a, a DSP only comes in you know a few hours a day 
or it could be someone that needs 24-hour care because of their disability. They require 24-hour care, and so we have round-the-clock staff that work with someone and go into their home and help provide the supports, medication management that they need. Those are truly the unsung heroes, I have to tell you. That staff and that group of individuals are the people that I think we all should be applauding and appreciating. Um, during our, the pandemic, you know, in which I know we're all sick of the pandemic, but to me, what really um, stood out, and, and again, with our veteran staff that ran the 24-hour 24 24 shelter, as well as the McAdoo Hotel, all those individuals came every day to work. You know, they, they didn't complain. They didn't take off. They didn't say, I'm scared. I'm not coming. They came and they worked with the individuals that rely on them and need their services. So I do just want to say that we're just an impressive group of people that truly probably don't get paid hardly half of what they should get paid. And they come every day and they love on people. You know, they really do. They help people live a better quality of life in their home. And what's interesting is a lot of the individuals that have been with us are aging in place. So they are staying with us, but because of some of the supports and services that we can provide, I'm not saying we can always take care of them, but we're able to provide services to them to help them stay in their home um, and not re require the long-term care facilities or nursing homes and things that a lot of people aging in place, aging are, are going to need. So we're able to provide some of those services in their home. But you know, mental illness has such a... a it's getting a lot more attention lately, right? People are more open to talking about mental mental illness, and but you know, mental illness has been around for a really long time. And what we want to do at Volunteers of America is bring education to it. And you know, depression is a mental illness, and a lot of people suffer from depression. We want to educate people, and just because someone has a mental illness doesn't mean they can't live a healthy, productive life. And so that's what we do. We help people live a healthy, productive life. And so some people can do a lot more than others, but we have um, we have some of our clients, they are, they are peer specialists, and so they help support other um, individuals. We have a day program where individuals with mental illness can go during the day and do you know, engaging activities. Instead of just sitting and watching a TV all day, they do exercise, they go on field trips, they play kickball, they learn how to cook. You know, they do a lot of different engaging activities. Just again, a, a quality of life like you and I both want, we want for our families. It's the same thing that we're able to do for um, the individuals living with us. It's tremendous. Yeah, yeah it's, it's really neat. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you talked a little bit about this, but our aging population, mm -hmm. our, our seniors. seniors. <laughs> Uh, benefit greatly from programming overseen and provided by a VOA. Um, talk to me, uh, just in addition to what you just uh, mentioned, just some of the ways VOA is serving yeah, yeah. Our, our senior population. Sure. So, um, again, just like um, providing services for individuals with disability, Volunteers of America nationally is one of the largest affordable housing um, developers as well as managers. So we manage a lot of housing. And so we have senior housing um, that we're able to allow people 62 and older to live with us and live in a safe, decent, affordable place to live. That That's really key. You know, when you're on a fixed income um, and you have 
medication and you have different expenses that you can't afford, you know, a market rate apartment. And so what we're able to do is provide housing. We, um, we have an apartment complex behind the um, Shreveport Park still um, Walmart on South Point Parkway. Everybody knows where the social security office is. We're right down from the social security office. And so we provide beautiful housing um, that individuals can live. Unfortunately, we can house 50 individuals and we have a waiting list waiting list probably three times as long um, of people in need in, of the housing. Um, in fact, you know, we have, we hear story after story of the individuals living in our, in our South Point Place housing of, you, you know, they were like, how do I get in this beautiful, I'm living with my daughter and I don't want to, I want to live independently. I don't want to have to burden my children. I don't want to have to live with my children. And so we're able to give people their own place where they can be and again, live a productive life. Um, and so it's safe. They can afford it. Um, they also have um, collaboration and opportunities to be together. We have, um, we have what we call um service coordinators and they are staff that connect our um, our residents to different things that they might be eligible for different programs that they might be eligible for they bring in maybe someone to come in and talk about budgeting you know some for some of our seniors they've never learned how to budget so coming in and working with them on budgeting we have a lovely group of volunteers that come to south point and they bowl with our residents they go pick up you know our, our service coordinator she goes and picks up, um, you know, from Holiday Lane, she goes and picks up all the bowling equipment, brings it back, and our seniors bowl, and they do different activities together. Um, they may go to a community room and do a puzzle together, um, but there's a lot of social socialization that goes on at um, South Point, and again, that's, for some of our individuals, they have large extended families, but for some of our individuals, they don't have family. The people living at South Point or the Volunteers of America staff are their family. And so we're just giving people, a, a, giving them dignity to live in a safe, affordable place. And that, that's really important. And that's what the heart of most of our housing as well is it's safe, it's affordable, and it's a place that you and I would be willing to live. Yeah. And I think that's really important. We shouldn't assume just because someone doesn't have as much money or doesn't have money, their poverty, that it's okay for their housing not to be nice. That's, and you, I know you know that, but you know, I think that's important for people. Everyone deserves a safe place to live. And, and as you've said a mm -hmm. couple of times, everyone deserves a, mm -hmm. a, a certain level mm -hmm. uh, of quality Absolutely. Uh, of, yeah. of life. Yeah. Great. And then of course, um, VOA does a tremendous amount of work for our children and families with programs like the Lighthouse mm -hmm. and communities in schools, which uh, a lot of people know as CIS. Um, can, can you speak about a few of these programs? Yeah. So this is where it's dangerous, and I have to tell you, so um, you did mention I've been with the organization for 12 years. For the last eight years prior to this role, I worked in children and families, so I can talk. You, you'll probably have to say, stop. You're, you're talking too much about children and families, but I, I love all of our programs. I love all, all everything we do and the wide array of populations that we serve. Um, but I obviously, for you know, the past eight years of my life, I know the the children and family programs very intimately, and so um, our 
I'll start with our Lighthouse program. A lot of people are familiar with Lighthouse. Lighthouse, we have been doing it for 35 plus years. We've been providing quality after school programs for the last 35 um, years. And really Lighthouse got started in um, Ledbetter Heights by a group of volunteers that said, you know, we need to do something for the children living in this neighborhood and their parents and their moms. A lot of them came from single female head of household. So we need to provide something for them to do. And so what the lighthouse looked like in 1988 and what it looks like today is completely different, but there's still the core of it still there, providing enriching opportunities in a safe place for kids to come during those risky out of school hours. And so to, today the lighthouse looks a lot like um, organized chaos, you know, and that's what it should be. We want it to feel um, fun. We want our students, when they come to us during those after-school hours or in the summertime, because we also offer programming in the summertime, we want it to be fun because we all know if a student is having fun, they're more likely to continue to come and they're going to tell their friends about it. And so the, and their parents are going to be excited that they're coming. But what our goal is we, we are... I'm going to think about this for a second. We are on, um, we are eight Caddo Parish schools. So we have an after-school program in eight Caddo Parish schools. And then we have three, what we call community sites. So we have one downtown um, on Travis Street, which many people are familiar with. We have one in Bossier. And then we have a teen club. So it's specifically for our high school kids, which I'll talk about teen club in a, in a few minutes. But Let me interrupt one sure. sec. It's a silly question, but how to understand the, the kids that participate after school on site at the schools, mm -hmm. those are probably students mm -hmm. that Correct. attend those schools for the three satellite um, offices. Yeah. Uh, do you, how, you provide transportation or how do most of those participants yeah. um, get from school sure. to to those locations? Well, it's not a one-size-fits-all approach. So our downtown location, it, it they're the only ones that actually provide transportation. That's the only lighthouse that provides transportation. Teen, Teen Club does a little bit, but Travis, what we've worked really hard with Travis, so Travis is, there's not a lot of kids in that neighborhood, as you know, if on the corner of Common and um, Travis Street, there's not a lot of housing, although the, the New Choice neighborhood's coming right. up, which is full, full of children, actually. Um, but what we've done for the past probably 15 years is we, are, we look at schools where we don't have a program, and then we try to work to... Um, identify students in need of services. So we we pick up a lot of students from Magnolia. So we actually take up, send a van. I think there's two van loads that go to Magnolia every day and bring students back from Magnolia as well as Linwood Charter School. Um, and then we may, may have a couple other schools that we pick up at. I, I don't want to say exactly because I'm not sure what schools we're picking up at anymore. Um, but we parents can also drop off. If parents have the ability to drop off, they can also drop off and then pick up and we, we take home. Um, and you take so once they're there, when when the day ends, you take, take them back them to Magnolia. Or you take no, them we home? would take them home. Okay. Yes. Now it may be a central drop-off point, depending yeah. on how far people uh, live out. But they don't have to live in a. I guess they don't. They don't necessarily have to. They don't have to be tied to a certain school. Um, but we do take home um, within a certain. Let me say within a certain proximity. Sure. Um, sure. 
So that's, that's the downtown lighthouse. For our Bossier Lighthouse, we are actually, our, um, commu- our center is actually located in a housing development. Um, so it's the Scott, Scott Street um, housing development. And so I, ideally, we want to pull kids from that community. And they, the actual school bus, when they drop off in the afternoon, is at our door. So the kids just, instead of going home, they come right to our door and come to our services. Um, now, we do have kids that don't live in that neighborhood, and so their parents get them to that facility and so we but there's no transportation there and then for our teen club our teen club is located in the highland center Mm -hmm. and we primarily serve students from bird shreve um, i think we have some from woodlawn and btw and so those students um high school students can get places (laughs) they have a lot more flexibility but we do have a van that will go i know picks up i think at bird and at btw for kids to get to that facility um and so i'll I'll go ahead and maybe just touch on teen club real quick um because the other the everything else i'll say i'll kind of apply to all the other campuses and programs but teen club really i guess teen club's been in existence now Gosh, it probably opened its doors 2013, 14, the time frame. And what uh, Dewana Lovelace, who is the coordinator for that program, Dewana has been with Volunteers of America. Gosh, she's going to kill me if I, if I don't get this right, but it's probably close to 30 years. She's wow. been with the organization a really long time. Um, but she um, used to be the coordinator of our Lighthouse program that was located at the Highland Center. And what she saw a pattern of was she served kids, but, and she served, you know, the K through eighth, eighth, eighth grade, but she noticed a lot of their older brothers and sisters would come after program was over. And if you know anything about the Highland Center, you know, there's a gym, there's a basket, you know, gym with a basketball goals in there. So she saw, hey, Miss Lovelace, can we just come hang out for a little bit and shoot hoops? And so she started building relationships with these kids. And, you know, Dewana, she's going to let them hang out. You know, she's like, they're off the street. I know where they are. So she just started building these relationships with the students. And she said, you know, we need something for our high school kids that um, that's, you know, engaging and enriching for them besides just basketball. You know, that's maybe the hook. Um, but once we have them, what else could we be doing with them? So Teen Club really is more focused on what does life look like after high school? What is it that you want to do? It doesn't have to be college, but if it is college, are we making wise career choices? Um, if I tell this story often, but it's probably been 10 years now, but we had you know, I was, I was at the teen club and I was asking students, I said, well, what do you want to be when you grow up? Or what do you want to do to college? Everybody wanted to be an attorney. And I just thought that I found that really interesting. And I was like, well, are you, are you good in English? No. And I'm like, do you know what it takes to be an attorney? You know, I like, do you like to write? No. And I'm like, oh, they don't understand. And so we were able to put together a panel of attorneys to come in and talk to our students about what does school look like to be an attorney? Um, you know, they, they said it's not law and order. What you see on TV is really not what it's like to be an attorney. And so we tell our kids to dream big, but dream realistically. If you want to be a nurse and you hate science, Let's rethink what you what really is a good career path for you. So that gives us the opportunity to do some coaching on what are good career choices for our students. If you're not going to go to college, great. What are you going to do? Um, we recently had a young man who graduated from high school, but he also went to the Caddo Career Center, and he 
did something, I, I don't want to misspeak to what he does, but something with automobiles, you know, so he's, and he was hired on right out of high school with Honda at a really nice salary because, you know, again, we, we didn't do that. Now, please don't think we did that, but we helped him make decisions about, is this what you want to do? Do you think you, you know, this is a career path for you? And he was, he was excited about that. So maybe it's military, whatever it is you have and you want to do, let us help you learn more about that so you can make good decisions. And then we we're very fortunate to have so many great partners for our teen club. Um, the Junior League provides a program for us. Um, the Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority, they do a program. It's called um, Hashtag CAP, College Academic Preparation. So they work with them. I may have gotten that wrong. But they um, they work with them to help them get ready to take the um, the um Oh, what's the test? ACT test. To be able to take those the test and be ready for whatever we need to get you on to be ready for the next chapter of your life. And so it's it's one of those things that just kind of evolved and it's such a great program and high school kids want to come. You know, that's the amazing thing. Oh, and I do want to mention, we have a great partnership with the city of Shreveport. And so um, that through their WIOA program, we are able to serve more kids because we get some funding from the WIOA program, but also they get to participate in the workforce program during the summer. So this summer, our teen club students are working in various areas of the city. Um, it could be in our programs, it could be in another program, but they're actually giving back and helping maybe some other Lighthouse kids. And what a great thing for our our young Lighthouse students to see older students that look like them working and, and earning money and doing good things. So it's a great opportunity um, for, for our students. So that's Teen Club. <laughs> Take Perfect. a break. Okay, so let's transition back yeah. to Lighthouse. No, that's all fantastic. Um, so Lighthouse, again, our goal is um, engaging academic enrichment. We're not a tutoring program. And so we do always think that's important because everybody says, oh, are you going to tutoring? We don't want parents to be disappointed if their child is not getting one-on-one -on -one tutoring because they're not. Very rarely will they get one-on-one -on -one tutoring. We might have a volunteer that comes and works with your student or your child for maybe on a math homework, but it's not true tutoring. So what, again, it's organized chaos. It's um, kids have sat all day in the classroom. They've been quiet all day sitting in that classroom. So we allow our kids to talk. We allow our kids to sit, you know, stand. We do a lot of group activities. So they're working and they're talking to each other. They're having to solve problems with each other. We think that's important um, to really develop some skills, but they're having fun. It's disguised learning. So they think they're playing a game, but they're, play they're doing math. Um, you know, they're doing a poetry slam. Again, you know, they're having fun because they think they're, you know, they're doing all this fun stuff with words, but again, it's ELA. So we're able to really work with kids and um, do some of that disguised learning. So they're having fun, but they're, we're hopefully reinforcing some of the things that they need for the daytime. Additionally, it's a way for us to help the school system. You know, the school system is really, you know, they have a heavy lift and we, you know, our students are struggling. Um, so, you know, the, the schools have certain benchmarks they have to meet. We don't have that in our programs. Um, or we do have goals, but we don't have this specific, you know, 
common core standards that have to be met. So if a student doesn't know their multiplication facts, we can sit with them and reinforce multiplication facts. We don't, we're not tied to having to do something. Um, and so we feel like we can be helpful to the school system in that role and help re reinforce some of those basic skills. Um, in addition to that, we offer um, cultural enrichment opportunities. So the, the best example I can give you of this is um, we're very fortunate to work with the Shreveport Metropolitan Ballet, and every year for as long as I can remember, our students have participated in Chance to Dance. So they work with a group of our Lighthouse students and teach them basic ballet moves. They come once a week, work with our student, teach them basic ballet moves, and then our students get to perform with these more seasoned and you know experienced ballerinas in their spring production. And they, it's really beautiful because they give scholarships to one of our students every year to then go on and continue taking lessons. And you know, many of our students would not have um, that opportunity to participate in those type of activities if not for the Lighthouse. Um, in addition to that, we've done a variety of things. We've done volleyball. We've done tennis. Um, pretty much what I would call non-traditional sports, golf, um, you know, exposing our students to what could be. Um, our middle school kids, we typically ask, middle school is really tough to engage. You know, they're, they're, they're too big to come to an after school program, but some of them are not ready to be on their own. And so it's, it's been several years, we asked our, a group of students, I think it was at Fair Park, and we said, what, what would interest you? What do you wanna learn how to do? They wanna learn how to line dance. You know, I mean, how great is that? That, And we had a teacher that wanted to teach line dancing. So, again, giving our kids exposure. Um, the Y has come and done some activities with our students and, you know, provided some some getting up and moving. You know, that's important. And But we've done everything, probably everything you can think of, theater, um, cooking, um, soccer. It's been a variety of things that we've done. And, again, it's exposure. It's getting kids excited about learning. Um, and exposing them to more than maybe what they're used to seeing. And who knows, you know, we always think we could have the next, you know, young tennis player or golf player in, in the crowd, and maybe they discover their love at the lighthouse. And so, again, we're, we have, I couldn't even begin, and I'm not going to even try to name all the partners that make that happen um, in our after-school programs. We have a lot of volunteers that come to our after-school programs. So it's, in the summer is more field trip driven. Um, we do a lot of field trips where kids get to go and, ex and experience fun things and just have fun, but it's, they're learning. Yeah. So that's the fun stuff. Yeah. The lighthouse, if you're having a bad day, I always say go visit the lighthouse because it'll just make, it'll make you feel good, you know, just going and seeing the lighthouse in action. Um, so, okay, so that's our after-school programs and summer programs. Communities and Schools is a program that I feel very passionately about. Um, so Communities and Schools is a national organization, and they're, they're really known as the nation's largest dropout prevention program. But it's not your typical, they don't necessarily do what, when we think of a dropout prevention program, they're doing the things that lead to kids not dropping out. It's really not geared to, we're going to keep kids from dropping out. What they're doing with students across the course of a student's educational experience um, they're providing the supports they need to prevent students the long-term dropout. It's a, it's a drop, you know, it's a solution. And so our, what we do with communities and schools, and we're the first, so Volunteers in America is the, North Louisiana is the first licensed partner 
for communities and schools. Typically, they set up a, their standalone affiliate, um, so it would be CIS of North Louisiana, um, and when they came to visit Bill Milliken, the founder of Communities and Schools, came in 2013, I believe, and then CEO chucked me in. Chris Gabriel um, went to that meeting and said, this is what we need to be doing to serve more kids in Caddo Parish that need our services. And so we developed this partnership, and so we've, we've gone on, and we are now a licensed partner. And what we do is we place a social worker type individual. You don't have to be a social worker, but someone with a sociology, criminal justice, um, social service type background on a school campus with the support of that principal. The principal helps make the selection and the staff member that we place on their campus. And then they work with that administrative team to determine what are the overall needs on your school campus. And then our staff help develop what we call a school support plan to work uh, work and help solve those needs. So it could be something as simple as there needs to be a uniform closet, and so we're able to um, stock a closet so when kids come to school without a uniform, we're able to provide them a uniform. Um, or if a kid doesn't, um, they come in the same uniform every day, we're able to provide them one or two more so they can change until mom can wash again. Um, and so, But it, it could be something also as simple as a food pantry. We most, I would say almost all of our site coordinators have um, food in their, in their closet, so if someone's hungry, I can't concentrate when I'm hungry, so why should we expect a student to be able to concentrate so they can go get a, a hopefully a high-protein snack to get them back into the classroom? Everything we do is try to get kids back in the classroom as soon as possible. Um, but then, um, so but it could be more complex. It could be we have a. Um, a high um, absentee rate with a high school student. Um, why aren't they coming to school? You go do a home visit, they're no one's home. How do we find the parent? How do we find the student? So those are more intense type services that we have to provide to really work with the school, the parent, and the student to figure out what's going on. Sometimes it could be just they just need an alarm clock. There's not an alarm clock at the house to wake somebody up to get up in the morning. Those are, I, I wish everything was that simple. It's not always that simple. Um, and then in addition to those school-wide supports that we provide for all students um, on the school campus, we also work with a group of students with more intensive needs. And so what we call them the ABCs, Attendance, Behavior, and Course Performance. And so what we do is we typically look at students who are struggling in at least two of those areas um, and it, you can imagine if you're not coming to school or you're always in trouble, your grades are probably going to be suffering. Um, so what we do is we we work with that group of students and we call them our case managed students. And so we we set a goal of at least 50 students. Um, if we have more than one site, co I, I guess a goal of 50 per site coordinator. There are some campuses we have multiple site coordinators on because the population is so large. Um, and then they do needs assessments with each of those students to determine what those students' needs are and really then put in the supports and set goals with those students and they monitor those goals on a regular basis to see if we need to adjust that goal. Um, it could be the goal, they killed it and let's set it even higher. It could be the reverse. It could be we need to look at our supports and maybe figure out what other kind of supports we can be providing that student for them to be successful. Um, and so 
CIS is very data driven. And that's one of the things I think that sets us apart um, as far as the type of services we're doing. We don't just know we're doing it. We have a independent third party evaluator who comes in and evaluates us every year to tell us, are we really making a difference? And we are, we are seeing a trend where the students and, and actually um, our, our consultant did a three year study evaluation this last year, students that received CIS supports for the last three years versus a group of non-case managed students that look just like these case managed students. And in every category, our CIS students outperformed the non-case managed students, and that's attendance, behavior, and course performance. Now, we can't take credit for all of it. They go to school all day. Teachers are impacting them. They have you know, mentors at um, on a school campus besides Volunteers of America. But the data shows those kids still that got those interventions are doing better than their peers. And so it's very relational. Um, it's very about, it's one more adult saying to that student, I believe in you, you can do this. I'm here to support you. If you're having a bad day, come see me. Um, we really wanna be that support to that student. Teachers want to do that as well, but teachers have a lot on them, and we 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 never we never want to replace the teacher. We are not academic in nature. We might can do some basic math with our students, but we we know it's important for that student to be in the classroom, hearing the instruction that that professional teacher knows how to give. Let us do the other stuff. If a student's having a bad day, let us talk to the student and see what's going on and get them back in the classroom as quickly as possible. So then the rest of the class doesn't suffer too. The rest of the class can continue and that one student that's maybe having a bad day and maybe being disruptive, let us let us talk to them and find out what's going on with them. Um, so that's, that's our communities and schools. It's really a um, tremendous program. I, I didn't tell you we are on, um, we have 15 site coordinators um, and we are on 12 campuses um, just finished up being on 12 campuses of, we, of all ages right you're, correct you're in some elementary schools you're in some middle schools and some high schools correct and um, we have a wonderful relationship with Caddo Pair schools and Dr. Gorey and Keith Burton um, are very supportive of our program and and Dr. Gorey actually really wanted us to focus on feeder patterns so we are focused on the Booker T. Washington and the Woodlawn feeder patterns so this other the elementary and middle schools that we're in all feed into those campuses and so our goal is that and we do know also the research does show the longer a student receives CIS services the, the better they're going to perform and the better they're going to do so our goal is that we continue to grow with that student so um, because we've got staff on all three camp on all multiple levels of campus you know if you're at Woodlawn and I'm at Caddo, um, Caddo Middle Career I can say, hey, Jeffrey, you know, Carolyn's coming to your campus next year. Will you check in? And I'd like to come by and introduce you. So we can kind of baton pass that student. And I can say, you know, Carolyn, Jeffrey does what I do on this campus, you know. So it's a great pass off for us to be able to work. The other really nice thing, um, what we have seen, um, this in all, always, but historically, we're in the what was originally the transformation zone schools and now the achievement zone schools. That's really the focus of where we are. Um, and 
typically the students that we work with when they move, which we do have a high mobility rate with our students, but they're not moving out of those transformation zone campuses. So they may be at J.S. Clark, but they may go to Oak Park. And so again, site coordinator can pick up and say, hey, Jeffrey's coming to your school. You need to get him on your caseload. And so we're able to do that. And I, I think that's really um, powerful that we're able to be on so many campuses and work with students. Um, we have. Um, sure. I mean, I know it's an extraordinary program and you're doing extraordinary work. I would be interested to hear, give me kind of a sense or feel of how you're working with some of the parents to, in mm -hmm. addition to some of the parents sure. of these of these kids sure parent engagement it's it's a it's a big thing and it's a um it's not easy um i will tell you that so we have to have consent from parents to be able to work with their students so we cannot serve a student unless we have that consent and so what we really empower our staff to do is to build relationships with the parents call the parents tell them instead of calling for something negative parents want to hear everybody every parent wants to hear something good about their child so call them and say hey listen Jeffrey had a great day today I just wanted you to know or you know so it's building that relationship with those parents and letting them know what's going on if we're working with a student we we should be sharing with the parent what we're doing. So also let your, you know, go over the results, go over the goals and how your how that child did. Call the parent and let them know. If you can't get them, if they don't want to come to school and talk to you, put it in writing and send it to them and just say, I just want you to know I've seen improvements in Jeffrey's behavior. Um, Jeffrey sat in class all day today. You know, whatever it is that you want to share with that parent, we should be doing that and sharing that with that parent. But, on, you know, every single campus that we're on, um, really has asked us to help with parental engagement. And so we're there helping plan the muffins with moms, the donuts with dads, or what is it? Um, donuts with grownups is kind of one of the, the new things because not everybody has a mom or dad that can come. So maybe they have, a, you know, their grandmothers, their custodians. So, um, so you know, working with, um, with the schools to determine what can we do to help get parents on a school campus um, and engage them. Not all of our parents will let us in, um, but that's okay. We try anyways. Um, and then we have some parents that we're referring, you know, we're providing information and referral for those parents and giving them resources that are available and letting them know what's available to them. Um, and again, you know, it's about building a relationship. The more you communicate good things and are willing to talk with a parent, they're going to want to talk back and they're going to want to hear and build a relationship with you. Um, we are very fortunate that we um, can do Christmas gifts around Christmas time. Our community, you know, our community is so generous. And so we have a lot of uh, our students get sponsored at Christmas time. So a lot of times that's, that's when we get to meet parents is when, and that's a great, I mean, it's a great opportunity to visit with those parents when we do get them to come up to the school to pick up presents and things like that. So touch point, whenever you can, touch points. Um, our staff should be at all after back to school nights. They open houses. Um, where at, when the school doors are open, we encourage our, you know, our staff need to be there so they can be meeting the parents. Stand in carpool line, wave to parents, you know, let parents know who you are. Um, so it's a journey building relationships with parents, and but you know, we just keep doing it and keep plugging away at it. Yeah.
Well, it's tremendous work. Yeah. Is there anything else in the in the children and family yeah. programming space you want to touch on or mention before? I do. I do. Okay. There's one other, and so I, I've I've talked a, about mental health, you know, a few um, topics ago, but I do think one of the things that we do we we do youth behavioral health, and so um, we know mental health needs are growing. People are talking more about it, but we're seeing significant rise in, in young people needing mental health and behavioral health services. And so we've been doing youth behavioral health for a long time. Um, I think we've been doing it since around 2012. Um, and we've moved to more of a school-based model where we actually, much like communities and schools, we want to place a clinical person on a school campus where they're available and they can help meet the behavioral and mental health needs of a student. Um, we're very fortunate in DeSoto Parish. We have a counselor on every campus in DeSoto Parish. And so in Caddo Parish, we're on a few campuses where we have someone housed and they, that's their, they don't leave that campus. But we also have what we call rovers and they float around to different campuses and work with students on a variety of campuses and provide the supports and services. And how, how does the ACES, how does the ACES test factor into that work is is every is every kid now i, I mean i know about it ACES mm -hmm. stands for adverse childhood, childhood experiences experience. mm -hmm. um is every kid now in our school system given an ACES test or is it just when situations arise that we how to just yeah. talk to me a little bit about that process and you know um, i don't i don't know that i know the okay. answer to okay. that how that i know that um so i will this is what i can say our staff all goes through the ACES training. Sure. So all of our staff go through ACES training. We have a several staff that are certified trainers um, in addition to trauma-informed. We're a trauma-informed organization. And so our staff also, we have a, a we have several trainers on our staff as well. So, you know, we're, we're trying to switch the language when we interact with anyone that encounters Volunteers of America services instead of what's wrong with you, what happened. And so, you know, kind of just switching the way we say things, what happened that makes you do this, you know, that what, let's, let's figure out how to work with a student and help them in that regard. Um, but I think, you know, definitely if our staff understand ACEs, if teachers understand ACEs, we are less likely to, why are you acting like this? Why are you being bad? It's more of something's happened to that student to cause them to act like this. Um, I do know, Kato, I, I think that's part of Casey Monero's role. Um, and I know the, the superintendent, they've been supporters of trying to make the district a trauma-informed district. So I, I know there's, there's definite movement in that direction um, to really get this to happen. So, um, but again, we're, we're so our, our clinical team, so a lot of people say, well, what's the difference between communities and schools and our, our youth behavioral health? Well, our, I would say communities and schools is more case management. It is really providing those supports, identifying, setting goals, working towards those goals our youth behavioral health is intensive counseling. So it is, we may pull a student out two or three times a week to just do therapy with that student until we see them stable and really need and able to and function. That's not the right word. Function is probably not the right word, but to be able to go back to the classroom and manage what's going on inside of them um, and really be successful in the classroom. So. Our ideal model, and Volunteers of America, our ideal model is wherever we have communities and schools, we 
ideally would like the Lighthouse After School Program and Youth Behavioral Health. If it's not the Lighthouse, that's fine. Another quality after school program. Um, when we, we want our students who we're seeing at communities and schools could benefit from an after school program. So if it's not us, at least somewhere, they're going somewhere in the after school hours. And same thing with youth behavioral health. Ideally, we want it to be our behavioral health, but if not ours, another quality behavioral health provider that can get that student the supports they need. Um, communities and schools, the name is true. It's, it's partnerships. We need strong partnerships. Our site coordinators can't do it all. We, in an ideal world, I mean, because mm-hmm. I'm glad you said that because I'm thinking as you're talking, like, you know, if you could triple the size of VOA, mm-hmm. what would that look like and where would you be? In an ideal world, would you have CIS in every single school? And would you have this this CIS, this mm-hmm. lighthouse, yeah. and this clinician in every single school? Sure, absolutely. I don't think, you know, I, I believe CIS can benefit any student, it doesn't matter your demographic, your economic background, it doesn't matter. I think, you know, we have kids that need need help and supports. And so I believe that, you know, there, there are higher needs. And so, of course, we have to prioritize with the district where we go because the resources are only so much. Um, so obviously we want to focus on maybe those lower performing campuses with higher um, needs. But yes, I, I think every school could benefit from a communities and schools an after-school program, um, and and some behavioral health. I, do, I mean, I don't I don't think it really cares where you come from or what neighborhood you come from. I think students need help, and wouldn't it be great if they could all get the help? And I think the other thing, you know, that's really important is what I feel like we do in our programs is we give teachers the ability to do with they went to school to do, teach, educate young people and help maybe open up and have those light bulb moments and fall in love with some subject matter. And so what we can do is let us be your supports and let you teach and rock that classroom and let us do what we do well. And so I think we, we can complement the school system really well and, and the students win, right? At the end of the day, it's the students that benefit the most and win. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, to me. yeah, yeah. Anything else on VOA? Because I'm going I'm to zoom out a little okay. bit from your VOA world. Okay. Unless okay. there's something else you want to mention programming-wise or um, just mission-wise um, before I... No, well, it, and I think you said it in the very beginning, but I do. I think it's important for people to know that Volunteers of America is a church. I mean, and you said a church without walls, and we believe we serve God by serving others. Um, that's 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 our our origins, we um, we believe that, but we're non-denominational and we're welcoming of all. So I think that's, you know, we want people to know that and know that we welcome anyone and we just want to serve people and um, help people have a, a better life. And you are in a major way. Thank you. So my next question is just as you look around our community as mm-hmm. a whole, that can be uh, Shreveport Bossier or I know you serve... Um, much of North Louisiana, you know, what, what are some of the things that concern you the most just as you look around? I mean, what are the, not VOA-wise, but just what are the things that keep you up at night or what are the things <laughs> that really um, trouble you the most about what you're seeing in our community? Yeah, I think, you know, I think we have a lot of people hurting in our community. And so I do, I mean, I know we do it, but we're not the only ones. I think behavioral health is just a, there's a significant need of people needing, um, 
needing services and to be able to say it's okay not to be okay. I think that's a that's something that is a concern for me. Um, the, I would tell you what really probably keeps me up at night is that, you know, how do we keep our staff? We haven't, you know, we have about 375 um, full-time and part-time staff members who are incredible and they are in the trenches. They're the ones doing the really hard work. Um, how do we pay them more and how do we keep them to stay at Volunteers America and, and not leave and go somewhere else? Um, that's a, that's a, that's probably what keeps me up the night at night the most is just how do we help, you know, our staff and keep our staff and, and figure out how to help them, um, have a living wage that, um, so they're, they don't become, you know, in need of our services. I think that's, that's something that's very, um, important for us, you know, and I think just, um, creating community, um, and I don't know, you know, I don't know the solutions to that. Um, but, you know, I think we've become so siloed um, and we just kind of go in our own directions, our own way that we forget to check on our neighbors or we we've lost this a little bit of a sense of community. And how do we how do we get back? How do we do that? How do we get back? And, you know, I want Shreveport to be somewhere that. You know, so I have a 10-year-old, um, and how, you know, I want her to stay here. I don't want her to go away and not come back, you know, leave for college and not come back. So what what do we, what can we do to help our community grow um, and become attra an attractive place for, you know, businesses to relocate here or come here? So what do we do to make Shreveport um, a place of choice? And, and my final question is just on the, on the other side of that, just on a more positive note, what are, what are some of the things you see improving that make you optimistic about our community's future? I mean, you know, I have seen um, really, I think, one of the things, a lot more um, groups collaborating. And I think that's exciting. Um, you know, and, and we see it, of course, with our communities and schools. We have great partnerships, but it's people that take their they can take their hat off and say, I, I do this really well. Y'all do this really well. Let's let's work together for the better of our community and really help the people that live here. So I see more and more of that happening. We um Volunteers of America is in a, um, we're part of the Choice Neighborhoods, the, you know, the initiative in Allendale, at Ledbetter, in the West Edge, and, you know, just seeing all the people coming together to help that project happen. I, I do, I see a lot of collaboration, and I, I, I do believe that speaks to some of the leaders in our community, um, people that say, I can't do this alone, the problems are too big, we need to work together and collaborate and, and know what we do really well and bring that to the table and then know what we don't do well, and it's okay. You know, um, we do Volunteers of America is a is a large organization, but we don't need to do it all. We need to stay in those four disciplines that we work really well in, um, and you know, do those really well, and then let other people do the other stuff. But there's no reason we can't come together and work together. So I, I do. I think that's a. Um, I don't know that it's highlighted enough, and I know I don't know if you're not in that collaboration if you know that it's going on. Um, but I think it, there's a lot of that going on, which I is exciting. Yeah. yeah. Was there anything yeah. else you'd like to say? I feel so fortunate, A, oh, to have you, you here <laughs> today, you. B, to have you in our community, well, and thank you. to have VOA in our community, and you guys are 
like I said at the beginning, I can't imagine what our community would look like or be like without you. So thank, well, thank you, you for all you're doing. And thank if you. there's anything else you want to. I don't think so. I think I've probably talked a lot. <laughs> no, that's great. Well, yeah. thanks, Carol. Okay, thank Appreciate you. It. Appreciate Absolutely. it.